0: This is the 10th talk in the series, New Beginnings, and this essentially flows out of the last couple of talks, especially last week's talk, and if you haven't listened, it might be helpful to catch up on them because it makes more sense coming from those. I've entitled this one, One Thing, and I read first off from Luke chapter 10. It's from verse 38 to 42. It's a well-known passage of Mary and Martha. On their journey, Jesus came into a village. There was a woman there named Martha who welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the master's feet and listened to his teaching. Martha was frantic with all the work in the kitchen. Master, she said, coming into where they were, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Martha, Martha, he replied. You are fretting and fussing about so many things. Only one thing matters. Mary has chosen the best part and it's not going to be taken away from her. Now, in the past, I've spoken about this passage as um, a model for sort of the difference between active and contemplative spirituality. It's really um, more than that, a lot more than that. The real problem here between Martha and Mary wasn't the workload. It wasn't that one was more passive and one more active. The the, the main thing that was upsetting Martha was that Mary was behaving as if she were a man. Culturally, in that part of the world at that time, houses were divided into male space and female space. Mary had crossed an invisible line a divide into male space and um, these important boundaries in the house made f- for order it was a life that was lived exactly like that um, but she had crossed not just the boundary within her house she had crossed a sort of a social boundary in the world that she lived in the public room was where men met uh, the kitchen and other quarters that weren't seen by outsiders belonged to the woman Only outside, where little children played, in the marriage bedroom, the male and the female would mix. And so for a woman to settle down comfortably amongst men was bordering, if not downright, scandalous. Who did she think she was, essentially, is what Martha's saying. Uh, Only a shameless woman behave in such a way. Uh, She should go back to where she belonged, to the women's quarters. Um, it was essentially a matter of what martha thought was appropriate but without getting into the male female thing here's here's the issue for me she was sitting at the teacher's feet it was decidedly a male place sitting at someone's feet doesn't mean that they are uh, gazing up at them sort of with adoration and thinking of how wonderful they are saul of tarsus it says in Acts 22 verse 3, sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was the preeminent teaching rabbi at that time and by sitting at his feet what it meant was Saul was learning from him in order that he too would become a rabbi. It wasn't just uh, sitting there that you were gathering all kinds of knowledge that this was something quite fascinating. It, fascinating. it meant that they were actually a student in preparation to be the same kind of person, to be a rabbi yourself. There's no thought of learning for learning's sake in that sense. And Mary has quietly taken her place at Jesus' feet amongst the others who are listening. And really what she's saying is, I want to be a teacher, a preacher of the kingdom of God. And Jesus affirms her right to do it. And so Mary stands for all those women and men who, when they hear Jesus speaking about the kingdom, know that God is calling them to listen carefully so that they too can speak and do what Jesus has taught them. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is essentially being a student of Jesus. And I'm inviting you and I to once again sit at the feet of Jesus, to become students in the same kind of way, to have one thing, that we actually are focused on a kind of single-mindedness that creates a clarity of purpose for us as his students. Some of you older people listening to this might remember the movie City Slickers from some years ago. Uh, it was a sort of a, a comedy western sort of slapstick in many senses. But in the movie with Billy Crystal, um, the cow hand keeps saying um, you must find this one thing and putting his finger up and Billy Crystal who is Mitch in the movie can't really understand it and he keeps saying what is what is that you're saying what is it that you're trying to how can I find this thing and basically he's saying you have to find this one thing you have to find an organizing principle a clarity of purpose a, a central thing around which your life can coalesce that gives it a sense of meaning and purpose and a simple clarity that makes sense of everything. When Paul wrote to the Philippians, and we saw this again last week, and I'm not going to go through the whole of that passage in Philippians chapter 3 again, but to just read this piece and to emphasize something slightly different again. Not that I have already obtained all this. This is Philippians 3 from verse 12 or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's a clarity for Paul. There is an overarching sense of he knows what he's about. There is this one thing. Forget the past, forgetting what's behind. We want to strain towards, we want to move towards as much as we can this one thing, and that's to be a student of Jesus, to press on to the call of God which is in Christ. Now, part of our problem, I think, is that we have lives that are scattered. Our minds, our hearts, our lives are pulled in so many different directions and we are without the central core, this point of reference, this clarity of purpose, if you like. This one thing that brings everything else into its proper order. That's what Jesus has said. He, he came preaching and he said, the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent. He said, turn around. Let go of so many other things that are clouding and crowding your lives. The key to life is this clarity of vision about what your purpose is. And it's the key to making decisions, it's the key to the way we behave. This one thing, being a student of Jesus, one thing, to sit at his feet, to be a student for the rest of our days, to study his words, his life, to order our lives in such a way that he and all that he represents is the central focus to put it into practice to have that clarity of purpose and you'll find i believe that it's not easy but it's enormously liberating when we give ourselves to this actually chesterton said if you remember we quoted this sometime before christianity has not been so much found wanting tried and found wanting it's been found difficult and left untried. Let me just say, as far as that's concerned, that halfway only, will only make you miserable. It'll only be, it, it's, it's not worth dabbling in this. If you want to be a student of Jesus, you've got to go all the way. You see, the reason that you have to is the way of Jesus, the way of the kingdom of God, is the way of the cross, When Jesus came, he said, repent. He said, turn in the other direction. Leave what you're doing. Leave your nets, he said to the fishermen. Leave that and enter into a new dynamic, a relationship, a new way of life. Become students of something entirely different. And we looked at this in some ways over the last weeks. Letting go, dying to ourselves, loss, waiting, listening, emptying, silence, simplicity stillness quietness coming second even coming last contentment being a non-anxious presence presence it's that sense of freedom that comes from letting go of the extraneous stuff it it gives us again um, a feeling that our lives are actually focused on something that is really uh, central core and and worthwhile it's trusting the lord with all our heart it's loving the lord with all our heart and mind and soul and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. And that's always seemed a little nuts to the world. Crazy, if you like. Stupid. However you'd like to put it. Paul writes to the Colossian Church, and he says, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were noble birth." But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the low things of this world, the despised things, the things that aren't, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. In other words, he uses and chooses those things that are weak. Maybe that's a sense of humor, but the foolish things, the weaklings are there to remind everybody that the strength, the power, the success isn't theirs. It's the fact that God is the strong one. God is the mighty one. And the glory then goes to him, which Paul goes on to say a little bit later there. Oswald Chambers, writing in the last century, said this. If you give God the right to yourself, he will make a holy experiment out of you. God's experiments always succeed and it's been said that it's not great men or great women who change the world but weak men and women in the hands of a great god this clarity of purpose this one thing we may be uh, doctors accountants um, homekeepers teachers doesn't matter what actually you do but We have a vocation, we have a calling to be students of Jesus in whatever else we find ourselves doing. So we need to think creatively about where we are and what our future looks like and what we want it to look like. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus again in a new and fresh way. We need to be willing to risk for a better tomorrow. In the past, we've made decisions, all of us who have been following Jesus, we've made decisions about the the fact that we want to follow him, we want to do what he calls us to do, we want to do God's will. We took risks, it was edgy, it was daring. But it is so easy to settle into a routine, to find ourselves busy, maybe satisfied, comfortable, even a little bored. I'm inviting us again to come and be red-letter Christians to sit at the feet of Jesus to risk living again in a way that is filled with a desire a a passion to see what we what we hear and see in Jesus uh, manifest in the way that we live and think and believe in our lives now to keep risking to keep crossing boundaries to be liminal in other words crossing thresholds into new worlds into new rooms into new places where we bring light and good news and joy the world will look better if we leave what's behind and stretch forward for this goal this prize of the upward call of god in christ jesus as paul says You've heard the whole thing of uh, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic shuffling things while we're sinking. I think and we I'm talking here about the uh, the church maybe particularly in the western church as it continues to shrink and be in difficulty. An urgent action I think is needed, but not panic. God is in charge. And I think, as I said last week, we have to come. We and the week before, we have to sit at the feet of Jesus. We have to be students again. Quiet, non-anxious. And honestly, the changes that are taking place in our life together as bishops' Daughter at vineyard in the move to the cafe or doing things differently, reimagining church, reimagining, if you like, how we we can be community. While we keep the core, the ancient, the essential, the basics, as Richard Raw said, the great truths are invariably simple, but not simplistic. And we build on top of the basics, but we have to forever relearn the basics in a new context. And I think that's what we're trying to do, is relearn the basics, sit at the feet of Jesus, listen to what he has to say, allow him to reignite a, a passion, a faith again in us, That it's not just a move of geography or a move of the furniture. But we're looking to God to stir us, to ignite again in us that passion, to set us on fire. So my call is for all of us to again, with humility and a kind of childlike spirit, to become students of Jesus, to sit at his feet so that we can be bringers of joy and peace and love. That we choose Jesus and we decide to do something daring with the next part of our lives. Let me finish with, with this simple prayer. God, we are crying out for you to breathe new life into us. Come Holy Spirit.